Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're going to jump into the Word. We're going to go to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians, uh, we've been in a series, Summer Shift. This is Summer Shift Part 2. And so we're going to go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You might remember this from a couple weeks ago. What has happened to me actually served to advance me. doesn't feel like that when you're in the midst of it, does it? doesn't feel like that when you're in the middle of the storm, but what's happened to me actually is serving to advance me. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. We've been talking about in this series about the summer, summer shift and that really God has for you another gear, another gear to shift into. God wants to move you. God wants to shift you. This doesn't have to be a summer like other summers. This doesn't have to be a year like other years. God moves us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, and this year is going to be no different. God wants to advance you. And we talked about this, that Paul, in his letter to to Philippi, to the church of Philippi, he says this. He he says, yeah, these chains actually serve to advance me. I want you to know this, that whatever you're going through right now, whether it's from the Lord, whether it's not, whatever you're going through right now, God is using what the enemy meant for evil. God will work for good. God is using on your behalf. Paul is supposed to be pastoring the churches, he's in jail, he's in chains, and he says, what's happened to me has actually served to advance me. You know what Paul did? He let the heat of the situation shift him into another dimension, into another gear. There is no, we talked about this, how many of y'all remember manual transmissions? You know, we actually have to shift yourselves, not too many of you. Uh, There was a time, you know, you have to shift your own gears in your car. But in order to do that, the RPMs had to hit a certain level. If you go too far with the RPMs, it'll go in what we call red line. You'll be in the red zone. That heat that the engine provides is what enables the gears to be able to change. So let me just set the table by saying this for you. If you didn't hear it two weeks ago, the heat of your life, persecution, trial, trauma, difficulty, betrayal, whatever you're going through right now is preparing for you a gear that you're able to shift into. Another level, another dimension, another place. What you're going through right now, the things that you're hating, the things that you're fighting against, that is enabling you to shift to another level. I want to show you this in the life of uh, David in 2 Samuel chapter 5, and this is actually where we'll get our, uh, our, our message today. 2 Samuel chapter 5, and I'm going to read to you uh, about eight verses, nine verses. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and they had spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. 
So David went to Baal Perizim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So the place was called Baal Perizim. It means the Lord of breakthrough, the master of breakthrough. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Now, I want to use this text. It's a, long, it's, it's a long passage, but I want to use this as a backdrop today in the life of David to show you what we illustrated in Philippians through the life of Paul. I now want to show you through the life of David that whenever opposition comes at you, it is an opportunity for you to shift into another dimension. It is the plan of the enemy to try to get you to stop, slow down, or stall out, or burn out with what you're going through right now, but it's the plan of God to use as fuel everything that you're going through to be able to shift you to another level. The things that you're facing should not take you out. They shouldn't leave you bitter. They shouldn't leave you discouraged. You should use them to shift yourself, your perspectives, your attitudes to another level. So, so, so David... He is, he is becoming king. And the Philistines in, in the Old Testament, you got to understand. And, and I was actually, I was preaching on the Amalekites uh, on uh, Tuesday night at the gathering. And uh, people were saying, man, this is, this is violent. Like people are like killing people. And the, the Old Testament's crazy. Okay, I don't know if you've read your Old Testament. It's crazy. So Daniel's, or David's like waging war. And the Philistines have been a thorn in his flesh. They've been there all along, the Philistines. And, and so David is driving the Philistines back. And it says that before he steps into battle, he inquires of the Lord. He asks the Lord if he should step into battle. Verse 17, it says, The Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, and they went up in full force. Now, I'm going to just show you something. This, I think this will help you. David was anointed king, and the Philistines came out in full force. This, 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 these things go together. David was promoted. And David was persecuted. Promotion and persecution go hand in hand. People say, I want promotion. You, you can't have promotion without persecution. They go hand in hand. It says, David was promoted and the Philistines persecuted. I think sometimes in our life, when we're talking about shifting or we're talking about going to another level, we see the perks of the next level, but we don't see the fight of the next level. We see the advantages of the next level, but we don't see the difficulty of the next level. If you're going to shift into another gear, it's going to require something of you. If you think we're just going to get better, and we're just going to shift, and we're just going to be better men of God, better women of God, all by ourselves, it's not going to happen. It comes by a shift, something that's intentional, something that you see as possible and you step into. What I'm talking about this morning is I'm talking about a summer where we decide that we're not going to deal with things the same way that we've dealt with things. We are not going to battle the same th ways that we've battled. We are not going to be discouraged the same ways we've been discouraged. It is time for a shift. 
Two weeks ago, I, I, was, I was talking about my uh, learning how to drive a, a stick shift, my dad teaching me and, and learning, you know, how if, if you don't get it right, you're kind of like lurching. You know, you ever done that? And then you can kill it. And uh, I had many embarrassing moments uh, trying to, to drive a stick. And uh, I remember one time we were uh, actually went to San Francisco on a road trip and, and went to San Francisco, California. If you've ever been there, there's a lot of hills. And driving a stick shift in San Francisco is difficult because when you press in the clutch and you disengage the gear, you're now in neutral, right? So the force of gravity will pull you back down where you just came from. The problem is there's a lot of traffic as well. So there's like literally a car behind you and you start rolling back. I mean, it's like this this real anxiety and fear that happens. You're like, no, 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 no. And you give it. So, so. You give it a lot of gas, and usually you look like an idiot because, or at least I did, because my car was seen roll, about to roll backwards and then me flooring it and peeling out up the, up the hills of San Francisco. But I'm going to tell you this, that whenever you're shifting gears, there is a moment of indecision. When, whenever you're shifting gears, you have to let go of one gear in order to step into another gear. And this is why most people never change. Because the the, the pain of letting go of yesterday is too great to be able to step into the the greatness that God has for tomorrow. I can't do both. I can't be in first gear and second gear. I can't be in third gear and fourth gear. I've got to let go of one in order to step into another. And David is fighting the Philistines, and he's feeling this because God's calling him up, but he's also getting persecuted. There's always persecution that comes with promotion. It says, now the Philistines had come, and they spread out in the valley. Where did they spread out? You know that the enemy always attacks you in the valleys. It's never on the mountaintops. It's never like everything's going great and and the enemy, because if the enemy came at you then, I mean, you would take him out, right? I mean, like that discouraging thought comes at you when you're on the high of your life. You're not even listening to it. But when you've had like three bad days in a row, when you've had bad news after bad news after bad news, where you have like anxiety before you check your text because you don't know what's coming through next, that's when the enemy comes at you. That's when life tries to get a hold of you. That's when life tries to poison you. That's when life tries to get you to, uh, to have unforgiveness in your heart. That's when life throws offense at you. Have you ever been in that place where, where you just like you're in the valley and you know that you're not in your right frame of mind? You know that you're not thinking correctly? You, you, ever, you ever been like super emotional? Not everybody in this room is going to admit to this, but you ever felt like super emotional and you know you're super emotional, but you don't really want to admit you're, you know, it's like you can hear words coming out of your mouth like, why am I responding this way? But, but you can't pull them back. It's like you have enough cognitive ability to, to notice they're coming out, but not enough strength, you know, to pull them back. David is in a valley and the Philistines are attacking him. I, I've talked to interns this before, and this, this might help somebody today. Uh, there's a couple times in your life where you shouldn't make major decisions. One, one of them, just for, for, just for reference, is if you're feeling emotional, it's not really the best time to make a major decision. Right? Like in the middle of the fight, that's not the time to move out of the house. In the, in the middle of an argument, that's not the time to break up. It's, it, once you got a bad bill, it's not the time to like sell the house. 
All right? Like some of us are like that. It's extreme. Something comes like, that's it. That's it. You're in a bad place. Don't make a bad decision. Emotions are great servants, but hellish masters. Your emotions are for enrichment, not for guidance. Well, I feel like I'm going to kill them. I got to kill them. That, no, stop, please. You, we're in control. All right? You can direct your feelings. You can direct your, your, your emotions. So, so I have this, this old school acronym. Acronyms were like big in the 90s. Anybody remember that? They were like huge. You, you couldn't do youth ministry back in the 90s unless you had acronyms. Every youth group name was an acronym. And then it went to like fire. It's like fusion and fire and fuego and, you know, whatever. And then it just keeps on, keeps on going. Uh, but there, there's this acronym, and I call it, whenever you're feeling one of these four things, you need to stop. HALT is what we call it. HALT. HALT. H stands for hungry. Really practical. You ever notice this? Like, you know, you know those people that get hangry? Just don't make a major decision. You know, if you're trying to eat healthy, when do you make the bad decision? When you're hungry, right? It's like 10.30. You've, been, you've done great on the diet all day. And it's 10.30 p.m. and you just walk by the pantry and there's someone left the light on so it feels like this glowing, pulling sensation. So you go into the pantry and you just start looking at the kids' fruit snacks. And this may or may not happen to me. And then... You just tear open the applesauce. You tear open the fruit snacks. You know where Jamie hid the Halloween candy, and it's still there. So you climb up the pantry. You get in, you know. It's never like in the beginning of the day when I'm eating my, you know, kale salad, eating my broccoli and chicken. It's, never, it's like 1030 at night when I'm like, Ugh, I did good all day. What can I find in this place? You're tearing the place apart trying to kind of speaking out of my own experience here. <laughs> hungry. Hungry. Next one is angry. Before you make a major decision, hungry is real practical, but it's actually really true. Hungry, when you're angry, don't make major decisions. L stands for lonely. When you're lonely, don't make major decisions. I'm trying to help somebody. When you're lonely, don't make major decisions. T stands for tired. When you're, do you know the worst mistakes I've ever made in my life have all happened when I'm tired? I, I, don't, I, cannot, I, I cannot think of a bad decision that I have made in my life that didn't come as a result or come from a place when I was weary or when I was tired. You know, when you're rested, when you're at your best, you're going to choose the right thing. You love Jesus. You want to honor him. But it's when you get worn down, isn't it? It's when you feel lonely. It's when you feel hungry. It's, it's, it's when you feel angry. It's in those moments that your guard comes down and you settle for something less than what God has for you. you got to be careful in these moments. I, I, I want to look at what David did in this, in this story. And I think, it, I think it'll bless somebody because... He goes through this process, and we talked about already that this is the process of shifting. The first thing that David did is he inquired of the Lord. Because he inquired of the Lord, this tells me that there's some battles I should fight, and there's some battles I shouldn't fight. Some of us, we're like just ready to go. Anything comes at us, I'll fight you right now. You know, it's like, whoa, whoa. Some battles you should fight, and some battles you should walk away from. So David inquires of the Lord. David asked the Lord, should I go up 
and attack? Should I go and advance? You know what your Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7? It says, cast your cares on him. Actually, give your anxieties. Give your worries. Give your concerns. Well, I don't want to just be a whiner. Do you know that God appreciates your whining? Because the rest of the verse says he, because he cares. He actually cares about the things that no one else cares about. He actually cares about the, the parts of your heart that no one else cares about. He cares about it. And if you would just take the time to inquire, he wants to hear from you. I've heard people tell me before, well, Pastor, I don't think God wants to hear from me. I've been, he's been hearing from me for the last five years. He's probably tired of hearing from me. No, he'd love to hear from you. This is the practice that David put in his life that he inquired of the Lord. You know why he inquired of the Lord? Because he'd seen Saul in previous battles not inquire of the Lord. And Saul had fought battles that he should have never fought in ways that he should have never fought them. And because he saw that in Saul, now he incorporated something in his own life that he would inquire of the Lord before he would step. He, he would actually ask God before he would move. God needs to be our first response, not our last resort. You know, that's the truth for so many of us is, is he's the last thing. When the meds don't work, when the doctor doesn't work, when this doesn't work and that doesn't work, okay, guys, we got to pray. It's, it's the last, we've got to flip it up. We've got to flip it upside down. The Philistines attacked him in the valley and David inquired of the Lord before he fought, before he responded, before he tweeted, before he put anything on Facebook, before he operated in anger, loneliness, tiredness, or hungry. In his hunger, he inquired of the Lord. If you're going to live life on another level, you have to decide that before you move, you're going to ask. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open. Before you take a step, you've got to ask. And the next thing that we see David doing is we see God speaking to David. So now David is listening. So first you inquire, and this is where most people miss it. And then we have to hear. Right? Because this, this is how it goes sometimes. We, we're asking, but we're not listening. God, I wish you'd give me some, some, I wish you'd give me some wisdom on this situation. And then we go about our business. Are you expecting God to answer? God challenged me on this a long time ago when I was, I was praying for, for people that were sick. And we believed God for miracles. And I'd pray, and then I'd walk away, and then God began to convict me. He says, what were you expecting from that prayer? I said, well, I guess for you to heal them, but, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. I don't want to just put myself out there. He said, if you're really believing for me to heal, then you should ask them if they're better. Isn't that the truth, though? That puts, that puts the money where our mouth is, that if I actually have faith, if I'm actually asking God for wisdom, then I have to open my ear to hear him and believe that he will speak to me. I have to hear. My dad, when he was teaching me how to change gears, he would know it was time to shift by the sound of the engine. He, he, he would listen to it. And he'd know. He'd say, okay, Dustin, ready? 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 Okay, shift. He would know by the sound. You should know the sound of the voice of God. You should know the sound of his voice when it's telling you to come up higher, to leave where you've been, to step into a new dimension, to step into a new level. We should be able to hear him. To hear his voice. The question is not if God is speaking. The question really is if we're listening. 
Are we listening? I remember years ago, Jamie and I, we were really praying. We'd been married for years, and we were really praying about if we were going to have kids or not. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted kids. Jamie wasn't so sure, okay? Just going to throw her under the bus there. And, and so we're praying about it because we've got to be on the same page. And uh, so we're praying. We're in Kona, Hawaii. And so we go up to a coffee shop in Kona, Hawaii, and I look over, and I'm like, man, I know that guy. I know that guy. And he's pretty easy to recognize. He's, a, he's a, in the Christian circle. He's, he's a very famous guy, uh, has carried a prayer movement. His name's Lou Engel. And uh, I grew up, like when I was 16, 17, 18, I would be listening to his uh, CDs back in the day of him praying and interceding. And he was sitting there, and he has this patented, like, little rock that he does when he's praying. And so he's sitting at the coffee shop, and he was doing this. And I'm like, oh, my, that's Lou Engel. I'm like, Jamie, that's, that's Lou. That's Lou. She's like, right, get some coffee. I'm like, that, but that's Lou. And I'm like, I'm talking to him. So I go up, and I'm like, Lou, I got to tell you. Like, I have been praying to your CD for years. He's the nicest guy. We begin to talk. He begins to share some things with me. And his wife pulls Jamie aside. And his wife begins to prophesy to Jamie and begins to encourage her that her children are the greatest blessing of her. We're literally asking God what we should do. And she begins to tell her, every fear that Jamie had about having kids, she addresses as she begins to speak. She said, all my kids are missionaries. All my kids are serving the Lord in the ministry. And on and on and on. And so we're walking back. I didn't know what had just happened there. I'm talking with Lou. So we're like talking about the third heaven. They're prophesying. And so we start walking back, and Jamie says, I, I, think, I think we're supposed to have kids. And I'm like, right now? <laughs> Hotel. Um, yeah, I'll clear up my schedule. No, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. Lord, here am I. Send me. So needless to say, Jude was conceived in Hawaii. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, you know what? When you have a word, it gives you the confidence. Sometimes when we're following God, isn't it just kind of like, I think this is right, 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 I think this is right. I think. But when you get a word, that's, that's, when I inquire of the Lord and he speaks to me, now I have something to hold on to. I can hold on to his word. I can hold tight to what he said. And I can believe. And Jamie used to say this. She said, I don't have a problem having kids. I just don't want to have kids just because everyone else is having kids. I want to have kids because I, know, I want to know that God wants our kids on the earth. And God confirmed it, and God spoke it, and, and, and we, there was no other discussion after that. Because as soon as she had a word, she was ready, and this is what we see David doing. She was ready to make a move. I inquire, I hear, and then I move. Let me just ask you this question as you approach fall, as you're looking at your life. If not now, when? And if not you, then who? Everybody always tries to put it on someone else. Oh, man, I hope they're hearing this message. I hope they're ready to shift. I hope they go to, what about you, sir? What about you, ma'am? Don't stay in the same place that you've always been. Don't stay status quo. Don't stay with just your safe faith. Begin to inquire of the Lord. Begin to listen to his voice and begin to move. Take a step. Take a step of faith. 
The shift gives you momentum. When you make a move and you have a word behind it, it gives you the momentum to break through. This is what's interesting in, in the scripture. It says this. It says that David named that place Baal Perizim. It means the, the Lord who breaks out. This is the one who breaks out like mighty waters. It's the one who breaks out or breaks through. And he na- this is what he says. And, and in our last couple minutes, I'm gonna, I got a lot to give you, but this is, we need to kind of say all that to get to this. Because he says, I am the God who, who breaks through. And this morning, you may be in need of a breakthrough. And I want you to know the God that we worship, the God that we sing about, is the God of the breakthrough. But he doesn't break through all by himself. He breaks through in cooperation with us. That's the power of the shift. Is The shift is not God moving you from one level to the next level. It is you engaging your faith. It is you engaging your own heart. It is you hearing the voice of God and deciding. God enables the shift, but you make the shift. God empowers the shift, but you make the shift. He says he was the Lord who broke out and it says David defeated the Philistines and then I want you to see this I think it's in verse 22 it says and once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley this is the most discouraging scripture in all of 2nd Samuel because it says he won does this sound like your Christian life at all we want to stop it right there don't we we want a battle We will not have to win another battle. The rest of our life is going to be amazing, full of favor, full of peace, open doors, prosperity. It's not what happened. It says as soon as he won the battle, the Philistines saw that he won. They regathered themselves, and once more they attacked. I want to ask you a really serious question. I know you can survive the first wave, but can you survive the once more? I, I, know you can, I know you can survive the first push, but can you survive the once more? And I think in believers' hearts, this is where we really get things out of whack because what we think is we think now that the Philistines came back, we have to do something different than what we did. But what David did was the same thing that Paul showed us and the same thing that he did the first time, he did the second time. He inquires of the Lord again. He had already inquired previously and God said, go do it. Why is he inquiring again? Because he's making sure that every step, just because God said to move last time, doesn't mean that God said to move this time. So he's making sure that every step, so he inquires again, and he asks the Lord, and he listens, and this is what God says. He says, I want you to circle around. I want you to come a different way, and I want you to stand in front of the poplar trees, and I want you to wait And I want you to wait till you hear a sound in those trees. Now, what's interesting is poplar actually means weeping. Sometimes God has to shift you by breakthrough, like supernatural breakthrough. But once you've fought a couple battles, God has to come through your weeping. Because sometimes when life hits you, it leaves parts of you broken. It leaves part of you in shambles. You survived, but you went through some stuff. You came out on the other side, but you still have some hurt. You still have some unforgiveness. You still have some of this holding on to you. And so David is attacking the Philistines once more. And and God speaks to David, and he says, I'm going to come around, and I'm going to come right through the poplar trees. So let me just say it this way, break it down real simply. Is God doesn't avoid your weeping. 
He's not threatened by your weeping. He's not insecure about your weeping. He's going to come through your weeping. When do I make a move? When you hear God beginning to come through those broken places. My Bible says that he gives us beauty for ashes. That he restores. He is a healer. He is one who can make broken things whole again. He is the one that can be breakthrough. And he's also the one that can bring healing in the midst of weeping. He does both of them. And whether you need a jump start because you're dead in the water and you need breakthrough. Or whether you need God to come through a weeping place. A broken place. A hurting place. A weeping place. No matter what you need, God is your answer. But it's the same process that got you from gear one to gear two. Is the same process that gets you from gear three to gear four. It is, I'm inquiring of the Lord. I'm listening to his voice. And I'm making the move. Whether you need breakthrough, whether you just need rescued from your weeping, God is here. And he's ready to shift you. He's ready to shift you. Last week, we had a guest speaker from uh, England, Pastor John, and he was here, and he shared. And, 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 he, and he talked about something that he was going through as, as a church. And he said that, that they've coined this phrase, kind of like a motto, this belongs to God. So they actually got stamps, and they would stamp it on receipts, and they're stamping it on this belongs to God, just reminding themselves of their dependence on God. And I thought it was cute. You know, I thought it was funny. I was sitting there listening. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I went home, and, and uh, Monday morning, I woke up. It's early in the morning. I went to my place where I always leave my sunglasses. I'm a creature of habit. And they're not there. And I was reminded I had lost my really expensive pair, nice sunglasses, the one pair I got. We're about, we're about to go on vacation. And I'm like, I don't, have my, I don't have my sunglasses. And I'm just like doing just like basic whining. You know, just like, not, not like, not like upper scale, you know, just like, just complaining, like, that's stupid. I can't believe I lost my sunglasses. Where are they? There's two places I leave them, either in my car, in the actual compartment for sunglasses, or on this, like, they're gone. I already, we'd called restaurants, tried to find them, see if I'd left them there, couldn't find them anywhere. And for some reason, Pastor John, when you're watching this, your little cheesy stamp example came to my mind. This belongs to God. This, this belongs to God. I'm like, who uses stamps anymore? And when it came to my mind, I just said, yeah, I shouldn't be complaining like that. I'm like, God, you can care about the little things. Even my sunglasses. This belongs to God. And as soon as I said that, as God is my witness, the Holy Spirit speaks to me probably clearer than I've ever heard it in my life. He said, go into your closet, open up the front of your blazer, and look in the pocket. I've got a lot of blazers. And I don't put my sunglasses in it. I just, that's not my thing. I don't do that. I know some of you do that. It's just not my thing. So I'm like, what? It's 5.15 a.m. I already had escaped the room without, you know, waking up the house. And I'm like, okay. So I go back in, walk through my room, go through my closet. The first blazer, I open up, I reach in, and there's my sunglasses. And I'm like, okay, Pastor John. I'll... <laughs> and as silly as the example that is, I saw it. I saw it so clear. 
inquire of the Lord, hear what he's saying, and move. It's the shift. Watch, watch this. Any one of those things break down, you don't get the result. If I don't ask, I never find. But if I ask and don't hear, then I never go. But if I hear and don't go, I never find. Do you, do you see it? It's, it's Lord, I need this. It's dependence. But then it's in listening ear that says, and what are you saying? And I'm not going to move until you speak. Lord, should I marry him? Okay, I should. A great thing. No, you should wait. And get some other people's advice too because sometimes we don't halt. Could be lonely. It's simple, isn't it? Inquire. It sounds simple. This is how you shift. This is how your next season, this next year, becomes the best of your life. How could it be that simple? Yes, it sounds all intense in the Old Testament when people are dying, but this is the process. Inquire of the Lord, hear his voice, make a move. Inquire of the Lord, hear his voice, make a move. Inquire of the Lord, hear his voice. Make a move. Inquire of the Lord. Hear his. This is the process, friend. It's not too complicated. It's not rocket science. It's not eschatology. This is just basics of Christianity. If you listen to his voice, you will hear it. The Bible says that he empowers us to hear his voice. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep, and we can hear him. Hearing God is like a muscle. The more you practice it, the stronger it gets. But if you've never used it, it might be difficult at first, but you could start today. You could start today. God, here I am. Look at the problem. Look at the valley. Look at what's attacking me. I'm going to inquire of the Lord, and I'm going to listen. God, I'm not making another move until you speak to me. But when you speak to me, I'm going to make a decisive step. I'm going to make a decisive move. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to doubt it because this was not my doing. This was a response to the word of God. And when you got a word behind you, you can walk with confidence. You can walk with full obedience. You can walk with full assurance that if God be for you, who can be against you? You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who called you. He's leading you. He's perfecting that which concerns you. It's I'm listening. I'm hearing. I'm stepping. It's so simple, but it'll change your life. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.